fighting for freedom every day. They're learning at a young age. They're being taught the socialists control the ones that are blaming Republicans for being Nazis or being fascists, the ones that are promoting some type of cancel culture, the ones that are promoting some type of agenda of uh, shadow banning. Realize at a young age that, hey, sure, you can have your freedom of speech, but we can block your funding. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. What's up? Welcome into it. It is another great weekend here on The Voice Reason. I am Andy Hoosier. Great to have you along for another one. Hey, man, we are moving through the weekends one by one. And it seems like we just had another weekend. We had Labor Day last week. And even though it was a short week, it seems like a drug out forever. So, hey, pat yourself on the back, man. You made it for another one. Try to enjoy. Soak up as much as you can for that downtime before the shenanigans take effect all over again for that full five-day weekend. I know it's difficult to get back into the swing of things thereafter. Welcome into the program. Great to have you broadcasting out of the heart of the nation here in, just outside of Wichita, Kansas, in the Hoosier Media Network studios. Great to have you. We got a show, a heck of a show lined up. We have a show lined up for you. We should have a show lined up for you. I would hope so. Bottom of next hour, we have Andrew Campanella, brand new guest on the program. He is the president and CEO of the National School Choice Awareness Foundation. As you know, obviously, with school back in session for the fall semester, we are seeing things just a little bit differently. It is that new world of post-COVID-19 of 2020 where schools look a little bit different in good and bad form. We have some schools that are already locking themselves down again with mandatory mask mandates. Other schools still quite open right now. There's also a big push for school choice across the nation. So we'll talk with him about that coming up next hour. And uh, looking forward to that one. Great. Uh, Chad, jump on here for just a moment, Chad. And I got a question for you uh, because this is, it was a big one. This is a big inaugural deal this uh, this week. But do you watch Newsmax? Yeah, okay. All right. He's going to jump on here in just a moment. He's getting everything ready. All right. So uh, for those that may have missed it, uh, not to brag or anything here, but the voice of reason made our inaugural appearance on Newsmax TV on Friday. And we were pretty happy about that. So, uh, Chad, I don't know if you watch Newsmax or not, but I, I just had to see if you saw me on, on Newsmax. I am here. I do watch Newsmax, but it's usually about 2 o'clock in the morning when I'm finally going to bed. So, <laughs> no, I did not see you, but that's exciting. And Didn't now I'm going to have to tune in and, and see if I can find you. There we go. My three minutes of fame. It was literally like a three-minute segment, and I talked for a total of like 45 seconds. But nonetheless... We made our inaugural appearance on Newsmax TV, so I was excited about that. So it was the uh, uh, Chris, um, I I can never remember his name. I'm going to feel like an idiot now. Uh, But Todd Starnes was filling in for the program and had a roundtable with the Todd Starnes uh, radio host on the Newsmax channel and had me on there. So it was a great honor. It was a lot of fun. Appreciate uh, Todd for inviting me on. And it was pretty neat. Our first inaugural appearance on Newsmax TV. So hopefully more to come relatively soon. But not not to brag or anything, but made our initial um, inaugural debut on the TV program. Outside of that, don't worry about it. The Voice of Reason's here for you on a weekend. And we have a lot to break down for you, especially with the latest What's Trending. What's Trending Today. Overall, and I want you to think about this as we go through the program today, overall there is going to be an ongoing theme throughout most of the show today, which is going to be, I want you to really think back, because we are just a day or so away from the 22nd anniversary tribute memorial of September 11th. That's a hard one, and it's a heavy one. And usually we like to keep things upbeat and lighthearted here on the program, but this is a heavy one with 22 years, which I have to admit blew my mind and hurt my brain a little bit this week. I was on my weekday program, and I was trying to do some years in math on the fly on the show, 
and realize that if you go back 20 years, we're still in the 2000s. And that hurt me a little bit and made me feel a little bit older right now. So I may start having a midlife crisis now. Not quite sure because I realize that now my daughter, who's nine years old, she looks at mom and dad who was born in the 1980s. And while that's not technically that old or that far away, it feels like it now because just 20 years ago, you have 21 years that are drinking that were born in the 2000s and that do not remember 9-11. So that hurts me a little bit. Because of that, though, if you remember the whole theme during 9-11 was never forget. We will never forget what happened on September 11, 2001. And yet, for some reason, somehow, in some way, we've started to forget about 9-11. So the ongoing theme throughout the program today, I want you to put that in the back of your mind because there's a lot of calls for bipartisanship. There's a lot of calls for singing, uh, singing Kumbaya, holding hands, walking down the trail happily together, Republicans and Democrats getting along nice and beautiful together. And I ask you the question is, is are we capable of actually doing that? Can we do that in today's society? There is a piece out of The Guardian where there are numerous different uh, presidential libraries, presidential organizations that are banding together from Republican sides and Democrat sides. Now, I say that with a grain of salt. Because the Republican sides are the George Bush Foundation, and you can't really call George Bush a conservative. He was considered a conservative back in the day at that time. But in today's times, we're like, yeah, that was kind of like big government republicanism. And we didn't have a true conservative. We haven't had an actual conservative really since Ronald Reagan. But there's 25 different organizations right now calling for bipartisanship and unity to save the democracy in the United States. And it sounds nice, but you got to remember, even back during the Bush administration, we didn't have a whole lot of uh, unity, except for after 9-11, of course. But before that, and even shortly after that, it was very quick for the Democrats to start turning. And if you remember, that was the time when the savagery began to come out was the late end of the Bush administration, calling him the village idiot in Texas, calling him the Nazi, calling him the fascist. If you remember the name Ward Churchill, that was the professor at uh, the University of Boulder in Colorado. He really started this trend, calling George Bush Hitler and a Nazi. That's what he called. And it was national news. Everybody was talking about it because how could you possibly call the president of the United States a fascist and Nazi and call him Hitler? And that was a huge message at that time. That was the exact same time as the Dixie Chicks, if you remember them, which they're back now and they're just called the Chicks because apparently the name Dixie is racist or something. So now they're just called the Chicks and they... I don't know what they're making. I haven't heard them at all. So they're trying to make a comeback, and obviously it's working so well. But they're trying to make their comeback. But that was the same time where they made that same comment, and then the entire country music industry ended up burning their records. So, yeah, see, okay, so the same thing. So, But you remember this time, right? That was a radical change in politics at that time when people were making these claims, and it was a very radical a crazy position to take when you would call someone that derogatory of a name. You remember that, right? I definitely remember that. She she was great all through high school. She graduated high school, and she went completely left. Yeah. Yeah. It is said nowadays, that's the norm. Nowadays, we literally had the president of the United States calling supporters of the former president of the United States domestic terrorists. You see the escalation there? Kind of a crazy escalation that we've seen over the past few years. So there's a bipartisan movement that was signed by the Hoover Presidential Foundation, 
the Roosevelt Institute, the Truman Library Institute, the John F. Kennedy Library Foundation, the LBJ Foundation, the Richard Nixon Foundation, the Gerald Ford Presidential Foundation, the Carter Center, the Ronald Reagan Presidential Foundation and Institute, the George and Barbara Bush Foundation, the Clinton Foundation, the George Bush Presidential Center, and the Obama Presidential Center, along with a few others, on a call for bipartisanship in Washington, D.C. Now, this is kind of a rhetorical question, but for those that may be relatively new to the program, which hat tip to all the new stations that are jumping on board, we'll make more announcements as we go along here. I ask you the question, what does it mean in today's political time to be a moderate? What does it mean to be middle of the road? What does it mean to be a wicked, wild, free-thinking independent? What does it mean to be I'm in the center of the political spectrum? And this is not coming from a radical right-wing nut job who's just some ultra-right conservative Nazi fascist, yada, 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 which really, if you use those terms, that you have to reconsider and reevaluate what you believe anyways, because right-wing conservative fascist and Nazi do not all fit into the same realm of conversation. That's another conversation for another time. But if you believe you're in the middle, what does that actually mean? I, I don't know, because I am a conservative. I'm a Republican second, but I'm a conservative first. And the Republican Party, a lot of times, does not stand on conservative values. In fact, they stand on conservative values less than what Democrats stand on progressive values, according to the latest poll, which we'll get to in a minute. But what does it mean to be moderate? Do you moderately believe in taxes? And what would that tax rate be? Republicans want a 0% tax rate. Democrats want a 100% tax rate. Are you at a 50% tax rate? Like, what does it mean to be moderate in today's times, because if you use the political spectrum, then let's just use the basic standard one for right now, the straight line, right? And Republicans are on the right, the Democrats are on the left, and then the center's in the middle. That spectrum continues to slide. Look at 20 years ago in 2003, which again, blows my mind, man, the fact that that's still in the 2000s, 20 years ago, we're still in the 2000s, but look at that then. Look at 30 years ago in 1993, and let's look at what the Democrats stood for at that time. The Democrat Party stood against LGBTQ issues. The Democrat Party then stood for pro-life as the Democrat Party. The Democrat Party stood for, and I use this one in air quotes for our radio listeners, they they stood for the working class, the blue collar. They really didn't, but they had the facade that they did. They had the facade that they were of the working man. They had the facade that they were for the common folk. They really didn't but they pretended to. That was, the, that was the, the time of Bill Clinton going on the late night talk shows and playing the saxophone, and everybody thought he was the coolest guy in the world because he related to the common folk. That was the Democrat Party. Then we had the transition where the, the Clintons, even themselves, Hillary Clinton running for president in 2015, had to take classes to relate to her constituency because she had no clue how to relate to the common folk in the blue collar, which is why she changed her dialect every time she went to a different place across the country. She had no clue how to actually relate to anybody. So there's been evolution here, but the political spectrum has shifted drastically to the left. It was not okay in the 1990s and the early 2000s to talk about socialism. It was not okay to talk about the consumption of the entire industry, of the entire economy within the federal government to centralize all that power. It was not okay to do that. So they've shifted further and further and further to the left. Now look at the conservative side. The Republican side of the aisle has shifted as well as the spectrum has continuously moved further to that left. If you believe in the Constitution, like truly the Constitution, where you don't believe in 
oh, I don't know, uh, like the Department of Education or any fourth branch bureaucratic agency, then you're a radical. You are out of touch. You are out of touch reality. You are completely obliterated and you have no way to have a, uh, a say in the conversation. You are completely irrelevant in today's times because that's just unreasonable. When that stuff really only came about 50, 60, 70 years ago. But if you stand for that, you're a radical, you're out of touch, and you need to get with the times. So the spectrum shifted so far that now the ones that still are actually conservative are the nuts, the wackadoodles, the conspiracy theorists, and the ones that don't believe in true reality. So what does it mean to actually be in the middle? Oh, how the times have changed since 2001, 2003, 20 years ago, all the way up till now to 2023. And this call for bipartisanship, what does that actually mean? And the reason I bring up this now in the call for bipartisanship is because I'm sure if you've heard the news with the big story of the day. What's trending today is, of course, the governor from New Mexico now suspending the Second Amendment temporarily for a 30-day suspension of concealed carry permits being issued across certain counties in uh, really in the Albuquerque area in New Mexico because of gun violence and her wanting to do, quote unquote, something. When we come back, we'll talk about what she's actually doing. We have some of the audio clips of her official statement. Oh, yeah, it's gotten that bad. Again, think about that 20, 30 years ago in 1993, 30 years ago. Would that have ever happened? Could that even have been considered something that a politician and an elected official would have been capable of doing? And how far we've come, again, for that call of moderacy and bipartisanship, what does that mean in a time when Democrats are literally calling for the suspension of the Constitution? Lots more coming up. Stay here. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Back into the program, 24 minutes past the hour, radio, TV, live streaming, podcasting. However you check us out, it's always a pleasure to have you with us, especially on a weekend edition, special feature here of The Voice of Reason all over the place, coast to coast on numerous different radio stations. And we have much more coming on. Super excited about that. So the question I pose to you again is where the moderacy is, which, by the way, I never ask. I ask you the question, but never give you a way to actually reach out to us. (laughs) So if you want to. You can do so on our social media, which is all at Hoosier Reason, H-O-O-S-E-R Reason, on Facebook and on the Tweety and on Instagram and TikTok and YouTube and, uh, let's see, Rumble and um, I think that's it. Oh, what's a Truth Social and our Freedom Book. I think the Getter. I, that's right. I can't forget Getter. We have all those. So, all of Thank you very much over there. So, <laughs> yeah, we have all of them. And you can find us at Who's Your Reason, also our website at whosyourreason.com. You can email me either on the website or just shoot me an email at network at gmail.com. Where is moderacy on the political spectrum? We have to moderately give out social programs. Either social programs help or they don't help. Either taxes are good or they're not good. And what's that level? What's that happy medium? Because I'm dying to know. Because we have Bernie Sanders out there. We have many Democrats, progressives out there advocating for 60 70% tax rates so that way they can just take care of all of us. No, that's not good. That's a little too high. Okay. Let's get rid of those social programs and allow us to invest in ourselves. No, that's bad evil too. What do you want? What do you want from us here? Either these programs work or they don't. 
Either you want government to take care of you or you don't want government to take care of you and to get the hell out of your way so you can take care of yourself. You cannot have it either way, uh, both ways at the same time. They contradict each other and they work against each other. It's that tug of war that's ongoing between government intrusion and individual sovereignty. You can have one or the other. You cannot have both. That's the ongoing battle that society has always tried to deal with since the beginning of time when we started creating civilizations and humanity and, and government structures on how much intrusion is the role of government. So, uh, which speaking of, as the spectrum continues to move further to the left, there's a new poll that came out from CPAC that had 150,000 votes showing where we stand on issues that looked up more than 7,400 state lawmakers across the nation and showed that overall, they say Democrats in state legislatures voted on average 87.4% of the time with liberal Democrat policy positions, meaning they stuck to their party platforms. They stuck to the unity of the Democrat Party and voted for Democrat Party platform issues across the nation in all the states 87.4% of the time. Republicans, on the other hand, according to the polls, say that they only stood with Republican conservative policies as Republican conservative legislators 76.7% of the time. Meaning Democrats right now have roughly a 10% advantage on us on actually sticking to Democrat values that they stood on when they ran as a campaign. And said, I'm going to be a Democrat. I'm going to stand for Democrat values. I'm going to do this. And they did it. Republicans, on the other hand, that's why we get the notion of, oh, well, the Republicans, yeah, they talk the big talk when they're in campaign mode. But what they actually get into office, they really don't stand for or do what they say they're going to do. They cower. They're scared of their own shadow. They're worried about election season. They're worried about the media coming after them. They're scared about other Democrat candidates calling after them and calling uh, calling them out. Uh, So they cower. A lot. In fact, 10% more than what Democrats actually do. And that is a cause for concern because as a registered Republican, I want a Republican to stand for the Republican platform, which is individual liberty, individual sovereignty, limited government, lower taxes, free market capitalism. That's what I want. And that's why I vote for them. And if you're not going to do that, then it makes me second guess and question why I stand with the party at all. So we need to get that back because Democrats, man, when they say they're going to do something, they do it, which is what we're seeing down in New Mexico. So I'll have that when we come back for you. And the question is, where do your rights come from and how involved should the government be when it comes to ensuring said rights? Lots more on the Voice of Reasons Weekend Edition right here. Stay This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Meets Radio. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed. Welcome into the program. Thanks for hanging out here on a weekend. By the way, if you missed us on Newsmax, yeah, we made our inaugural Newsmax uh, premiere over on Friday. So if you missed that, I do have the link to that uh, show, the Chris Salceda show. Is Todd Sarns was filling in for Chris Salceda on Newsmax on Friday. Had the opportunity to jump on now my my whole two and a half minutes of glory <laughs> as we were on there. And uh, I did share the link on our social media. So, again, you can find it on our social media page, Facebook, particularly on the voice of uh, at Who's Your Reason, the Voice of Reason radio page on Facebook. You can find it and you can find the link to that show. And we're about 35 minutes into that episode 
and uh, hope you enjoy that one for our inaugural appearance. Hopefully it's not the last time that we get to be on Newsmax and have some fun with the program. All right, so let's jump into it. We uh, And I ask you the most thought-provoking questions on radio for the weekend. I know it makes your brain hurt. You want something lighthearted. I get it. There's some interesting conversations going on, though, right now, because it's really a theoretical question of where the political spectrum is, what it looks like, and where we're at today. Plus, when you say you're a moderate, where does that actually, what does that mean? Where do you actually stand within that realm? Now, I want you to do something. I want you to visualize for just a moment. Because we always use the straight line for the political spectrum. I don't like to do that. And now that I'm a quote-unquote syndicated radio host, I I guess because every other uh, national conservative talk radio host has to have a book, I guess (laughs) I'm in the middle of actually writing a book. It's been a couple of years, but now I think I need to get on it and actually finish it. Uh, I'm writing a book on political philosophy. But I want you to, and this is, this is copyrighted, you can't steal this, I have created it myself, so no one can take it away from me. But I want you to use your imagination for just a moment. And I want you to think of a clock, a circle, and a clock. To me, that's what the political spectrum looks like. Now, the middle, if you want to call it that, is at that 6 o'clock at the bottom of the hour. And the conservatives moving further to the right at the 5, 4, and 3 o'clock. The Democrats moving further to the left, the progressives at the uh, 7, 8, 9 o'clock. So we have kind of that political spectrum. Now, as you get further up to the top of the clock is what I like to call the red zone, anywhere between like 10 and 2, where we have the anarchy. You go too far to the right, and you have too limited government to where you can't have a structured society, kind of like what we saw with the Articles, Articles Confederation. Everything collapses, complete anarchy in the streets. You go too far to the left, you have too big a government, you have the dictatorship, you have the utopia, things fall apart, anarchy in the streets. And if you linger in the anarchy in the streets between that 10 and 2, then you bounce back and forth between uh, tyrants trying to take over and control everything. Then you have an overthrowing of that and the chaos again, and you ensue, and you go from that 10 and 2, that's a complete anarchy. Everything below that... Between the nine and the three, essentially, we're doing okay. A little bit more conservative, a little bit more progressive. We're fine. The Democrats are pushing that nine o'clock barrier right now. They're pushing it because they've taken things to an entirely new level. Again, I asked you to kind of keep in mind how things have changed for the past 20 years since 9-11, 22 years on what the political landscape looks like. Because Democrats back then in 2001, post-Bill Clinton, were not the progressives that we see today pushing for centralized health care, pushing for a centralized government with taxes, pushing for centralized um, electric grids in the Green New Deal, pushing for everything that they're doing right now. They're not. They didn't do that back then. They were talking about it. That was an Al Gore was up there on the escalator, on the little uh, uh, the jack saying, look at all the numbers here, the CO2, and we're all going to die in 20 years. Well, guess what? That time's coming gone, and now... It's nowhere near, nowhere to be found. But yet, they continue to push for those same agendas, which is why now we aren't allowed to have like gas stoves in our house, for example. But when Democrats say they're going to do something, mark my words, they're going to find a way to do it. The governor out of New Mexico, Governor Michelle Grisham, has come out just the last day or so saying that because the crime rates have been increasing across the state, they are suspending concealed carry permits in the Albuquerque area for 30 days. Here's her official statement. I've warned everyone that we expect a challenge. Probably while you're writing this, we're getting a challenge, and that's the way it should work. 
But I have to take a tough, direct stand where basically I'm just ignoring the fact that we lost an 11-year-old, another child. The point here is, is that if everyone did it and I wasn't legally challenged, you would have fewer risks on the street. And I could safely to say to every New Mexican, and particularly those folks living in Albuquerque and Bernalillo County, I believe that you're safer for the next 30 days. <laughs> All right. So 30 days to stop the spread of gun violence, apparently. 30 days, two weeks to stop the spread of COVID, 30 days to stop the spread of gun violence across Albuquerque and those couple of counties where she's doing the suspension. A complete violation of the Second Amendment. Absolutely. Here's the thing. You do not have any way... In any way, shape, or form, you do not have the authority to go after and just suspend the right for people to get a firearm. You do not have that right. Whatever, whatever, I do what I want. I mean, I guess that's what Democrats like do, but they don't have the authority to do something like that. So, But we've come to a time to where politicians feel like they have to do something. And I use that in air quotes for the radio listeners. Something. And she even says, I have to do something. Now, she contradicts herself in there and says, well, uh, there's a challenge legally in the process, which, okay, we're prepared for that. It's already happening. People are filing the the challenge here. So that's the way the process works. Good for you. And then says, well, if we weren't challenged, then everything would just be hunky-dory and would be wonderful. So don't challenge us. You can't have it both ways. So I guess that's her mentality right there. She already can't get her story straight, but she wants the challenge and expects it. But this is what the progressives have done right now is, well, if we could just take socialism further, if we could have a purer sense of socialism, then it would actually work. The reason that it's failed all throughout history, the reason that we've had millions of people murdered under socialist tyrants, the reason that we've had millions of people murdered throughout the history under big government, fascist, socialist, which they're the same thing, by the way, fascist, socialist dictators is because we didn't have a pure socialist society. If you would just stop challenging us, if you would just let us do whatever we want to, then we could just hold hands, sing Kumbaya, and everything would be wonderful. So that's what she wants, but it's not going to happen. Here's the crazy part, and this is why I kind of laugh at this, because it's not going to last very long. She's probably going to get impeached now because there are calls for her impeachment after advocating for the suspension of the concealed carry permits in the Albuquerque area in New Mexico. This is the social experiment that's going to fail absolutely miserably. And right before an election time, this is epic for Republicans to take advantage of, and it's epic to watch Democrats crumble under their own weight of what they actually want to do, but realize they don't have the jurisdiction to actually do it. Because in the Q&A, even the media was like, um, this is probably isn't the smartest idea, and are sure you want to do this, and is this really going to help anything? And she openly admits it. Our counterparts, a Caucasian, can be... Oh, well, that was the wrong clip. We'll play that one here in a minute, too. All right, this is the other one. ...to the Constitution. Isn't it unconstitutional to say you cannot exercise your, your carry license? With one exception. And that is, if there's an emergency, and I've declared an emergency for a temporary amount of time, I can invoke additional powers. No constitutional right in my view, including my oath, is intended to be absolute. There are restrictions on free speech. There are restrictions on my freedoms. In this emergency, this 11-year-old and all these parents who have lost all these children, they deserve my attention to have the debate about whether or not in an emergency we can create a safer environment. Because what about their constitutional rights? I took an oath 
uphold those too. And if we ignore this growing problem without being bold, I said to every other New Mexican, your rights are subrogated to theirs. And they are not, in my view. Well, wait a minute. I mean, you're saying about crimes. There are already laws against crimes, so how are their rights? But, but, but again, <laughs> if I'm unsafe, who's standing up for that one? If this climate is so out of control, somebody should do something. I'm doing as much as I know to do. Madam Governor, do you really think that criminals are going to hear this message and not carry a gun in Albuquerque on the streets for 30 days? Uh, no. But here's what I do think. It's a pretty resounding message. Wow. You know you've crossed the line when the media is like, um, I got a question, please. Yeah, what's that question? Um, are criminals actually going to follow the law? Because don't we already have laws on the books that are against those crimes that you're not allowed to do? That's why it's an actual crime, because you're not allowed to do them because you get in trouble if you do them. Don't we already have laws on the books for that? Well, yeah, yeah, we do. We do, actually. We have laws on the books. There. Okay, so if you're going to take away the guns, then would it actually stop the crime? Well, it's going to send a message. Send a message to who? Because the criminals are going to be like, yeah, that's cute, but you already have your gun, Mr. Criminal, and you didn't follow the law, obviously, since you broke the law, and therefore you broke a law, so we have to do a law on people that are abiding by the law so they can't express their rights, which I have to ask you the question, I guess this is a rhetorical question as well, on where do rights actually come from? If you're a human being, we have human rights. And the question is, Is it because government gives them to us? And remember the old adage that if uh, government giveth to you, government can taketh away from you. Or is the role of government there to protect those rights? Because you already have the right. We just need to create a system in order to preserve it to where no one can take that away. Because whether they're human rights or natural rights or God-given rights, however you want to look at it based on your philosophical views, that they're already there. You just have to find a system and create a structure to protect it so no one can infringe upon them, which I thought was what the Constitution was about. You have the right to freedom of press, freedom of religion, freedom of belief in the First Amendment. You have the right to keep and carry a firearm in the Second Amendment. And yet she says, well, they're not really absolute. So therefore, I have to do something because what about the rights of those that were killed? Yeah, what about those rights? Because you're now prohibiting that family from defending themselves from a criminal who already took away that right because they broke the law. They're not smart enough to grasp that. And her literal comments are a contradiction of herself already. That's how stupid we're in in politics today. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome back into it. Last uh, segment of the hour. Boy, oh boy, does this fly right on by. So much more to talk about here. I love the social experiment that New Mexico's trying. Yeah, good luck with that. Hey, Governor, uh, what's your name? Governor Grisham, good luck with that. See how well this works out, trying to freeze and, and suspend the Second Amendment temporarily. Again, I ask you the question of where rights come from. 
does government create them and give them to you and say, okay, we shall allow you to have said rights now, which, again, is an ideological belief from the Democrats that government is there to create the rights for you, to give you said rights, to tell you what to do with your life. The other ideological view is that the rights, human rights, are God-given, natural-born, whatever you want to believe from the laws of nature, and therefore government is a structure that's created to protect them and create regulation to make sure no one infringes upon them. And if that's the case, she is way out of line on how she can suspend it and just say, I, you know, I'll have concealed carry. Um, how's that going to stop bad guys? Are bad guys going to stop carrying guns? Well, no. Okay, so what's it's actually going to do? It's going to set a precedent. Yeah, that you don't care about the people that are vulnerable to the bad guys when bad guys are just continuously doing their thing. So good luck with that and see how crime rates don't drop in your area. And then you'll, well, you're not going to see the light. I take that back. I was going to say, then you can see what really your policies are all about, but it's not, it's not going to work. But the fact this is going into an election season is hilarious. I asked you at the very beginning what the middle of the road actually means. And as we look at this call for bipartisanship in this nation, from all these different presidential organizations, these foundations, these uh, presidential libraries that are calling for this middle-of-the-road bipartisanship to save our democracy, first off, don't call it a democracy. Stop that. It's a constitutional republic because it's not a democracy. If that were the case, then the 51% would be able to uh, bully the 49%, and we would have zero need for the rest of our government in our legislative chambers. So, Stop with the whole democracy, because that's just not true. We're a constitutional republic. Number two, I'm sorry, but in a call for bipartisanship in the nation, I don't want to work with individuals like that who think that we can just, on a whim, take away your constitutional rights, who just, on a whim, can take away your Second Amendment. We're going to freeze your ability to get a concealed carry and freeze those processes, freeze any gun purchases in the county and see how well that works. If you, if that's the line that you draw and you think that is acceptable because a law, a right to defend yourself, a right to express yourself, a right to live with my three pillars of conservatism, life, liberty, and private property that we talk about on this show. And again, another thing that's going to be in my book eventually when I end up writing it, that if you believe in those, then I don't care what you say. I'm going to continue to advocate for my agenda, and you cannot take that away. If you think that that is acceptable to take those away because those rights, those human, God-given natural rights can be taken away and are not absolute, then what are we doing? What's the point of even having them when you can just take them away? And remember the COVID-19 pandemic? Oh, yeah, that thing that happened like three years ago that's about ready to happen again with all these new COVID-19 cases, that was the first experiment. That was testing the waters. Because they said the same thing back then. Your body, even though we believe in abortion because it's your body, you have the right to choose whatever you want to, yada, 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 uh, unless it's, you know, even though someone else is involved, they're really not involved because to them it's not really a human being. Yeah, those individuals then said, well, your rights aren't absolute. Your right to make a living and go to work and create economic prosperity in a private market is not absolute. And if it's not absolute, we can take away your business because you are non-essential. We can shut you down. As the government, we have the right to do that. And correct me if I'm wrong, I'm pretty sure that after all that happened, the vast majority of Americans began to wake up and said, whoa, I didn't realize you had that much power. Whoa, I didn't realize you had that ability. Whoa, I didn't realize that we got to this point because we've been so worried about working and social media 
and the drama and keeping up with the Kardashians and sports and everything else, we kind of forgot paying attention to our local government entities and then the school boards and the city councils and the county commissions and the state legislatures and our health departments all over started saying, well, you're not allowed to go outside unless you're wearing a mask. You're not allowed to go back to work unless you get this vaccine. You're not allowed to do this. They've already done it. And we said no. And we rejected it. And now they're trying it with the Second Amendment and with the First Amendment, even admitting that it's not going to stop bad guys. We're just going to stop good guys from being able to defend themselves, violating human right number one, which is your human ability to defend yourself and preserve your life. Because that's how delusional they are. If that's bipartisanship, you can take your bipartisanship and put it in a very special place that I'm not allowed to say on the radio. We'll do some more of this when we come back in hour number two because we're going to look at how the times have changed since September 11th and do a very special 9-11 tribute like we do every single year on this show. It's hour number two of the Voice Reasons Weekend Special Edition coming up right around the corner. Stay right here.